Welcome to Conversations with Joel. Joel's guest today is a TV personality, news anchor, and host of the reality show, Big Brother, Julie Chen Moonves. And now, here's Joel Osteen. I'm so blessed today to have Miss Julie Chen Moonves. You know Julie's from 25 seasons of Big Brother, and I've watched you on the talk, and I've seen you on the news just uh, just an amazing career that you've had. And just a blessed to be with you today, Julia. I feel the same way. Thank you so much for having me, Joel. Can we go back a little bit? You've, you've seen all this success and, you know, God's blessed you. And you've seen, you know, just an influence in the entertainment world. How, how did it all start? It all started uh, because when I was growing up in Queens, New York in the 70s, you didn't see a lot of people on TV that looked like me, let alone in my neighborhood or my classroom. I was in a neighborhood that was 50% Jewish and 50% everything else. Italian immigrants, Greek immigrants, Croatian. And one day in the early 80s, we turned on the local news, Channel 7 in New York, and we saw an Asian female anchor woman. Wow. And it wasn't Connie Chung. It was a local news woman who might, I think, still be working named Kaidi Tong. And my mother said, you know what? That is what you should do. And I was kind of like my mom's best buddy because my two older sisters were best friends forever. And I was my mom's little best friend at home. And I listened to everything she said. So she planted the seed yeah, and then watered it throughout the years. So when it came time to go to college, I went to a journalism school. You know, I went to USC in their journalism school, uh, focusing on broadcasting and I never considered any other wow. any other career path. Wow. So it started with seeing Kaidi Tong and my mom planting a seed, or really Jesus planting the seed. Yeah, isn't that? You know, what, like you said, the, the hand of God planting that seed. Just what uh, you know, a simple word of encouragement from somebody you love, somebody you respect. But uh, and then God opened the doors. Yeah, and it wasn't an easy journey because you know when I graduated college. All my friends got their first jobs within months. I spent four years wow. trying to get in front of the camera, my, you know, quote unquote, lucky break. I was working behind the scenes, uh, news gathering for four years and became a producer at ABC News before I got my lucky break. How was it back in, in those days? To, did you work your way up through, you know, usually go to small markets, the bigger markets? So how, how'd that work? Did you do that as well? I did. And I was very blessed because while my friends were starting, usually you start in a market that is considered size 150 out of like 213 markets. Number one being New York, number two, LA, you know, it's measured by population, how big of an audience you reach. And I got my start in market 53, which was Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And the reason I got that was because I was fortunate enough to have an agent sign me and she got me that job. And the only reason I got the agent was because I sent my own tape. There used to be this show. I don't know if you remember it. It was a sister show to Inside Edition and it was called American Journal. Okay. Yeah. And Nancy Glass was the anchor and they were looking for three generation X reporters under the age of 25 to travel together as a unit in a Winnebago and tell stories from around the country. I was one of 10 finalists who got flown into New York, but I wasn't one of the three who got picked. So the seven rejects, if you will, got our our resumes sent to an agent. And this woman 
may she rest in peace, Shirley Barish signed me and got me that job in Dayton, Ohio. Wow, amazing. Hey, go back to your parents. Did they were they born and raised in New York or did they come here from overseas? They came here from overseas. My dad was born in Beijing and by age 3 he because of the war he moved all over China only to land in um Taiwan for his high school years and college years. And then he came to the United States for his master's degree in engineering. So he came in the late 50s to University of Florida. And he and my mom were already, they already knew each other. And they they weren't quite dating. They met as teenagers and they wrote letters for 10 years. Wow. They didn't see each other for 10 years. And he sent her an application for her master's for the university of Tennessee at Knoxville for her MBA. So that's how she came to this country. And they got married and started a family. And yeah, so child. Mandarin was my first language. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. Was it hard to learn English? No, because I had two older sisters who brought it in. So as soon as they started going to school, if they brought it in, it kind of like my Chinese became what we call Chinglish. It's like it morphed into its own language where you combine the two. Mandarin's hard to, that's a hard language to speak. Learning it in the household as, you know, a a child, that was easy. Reading and writing it is very hard. And I, and I don't know how the, the basic characters I know, and that's about it. Amazing. My guest today is Ms. Julie Chin Moonviz, and you've seen her on the talk and Big Brother and so many other things. You've had an amazing career. So you were in Dayton, Ohio, and that was, you know, you started off in 53 and not 150. But what happened there? How'd you get to this this other fame? Well, it was a blessing in disguise. So the news director who hired me in Dayton, he had um, ideas of making me the morning anchor and moving the morning anchor to the evening main shows. But after five months of me working on the job, he got a bigger, better job in Washington, D.C. So he left. And the new news director who came in didn't have the same ideas for my career at yeah, that place. Yeah. And when I asked about anchoring, he said to me, no, because Dayton did not have a big Asian community and the people of Dayton wouldn't find me relatable. So that turned down, turned into a blessing because I was more motivated than ever to leave Dayton. I had signed a three-year contract and I thought, oh my gosh, I have another two plus years ahead of me. And I started working on my resume tape and I sent them to cities where I wanted to live. And they were New York, LA, because I went to school in LA, San Diego, because I had a sister there, and San Francisco, because I have family there too. Yeah. And New York City called and they offered me a job. But again, things don't always happen the way you want them to. I couldn't get out of my contract because as much as this news director didn't want to put me on the anchor desk, I got the job done. I was a very good field reporter, you know, never called in sick. I was very reliable. So he wouldn't let me out of my contract or he said, I'll let you out, but not for another three months. And this news director in New York said, I can't wait three months. We're about to launch this brand new um, style of reporting the news for the May sweeps. So I found out they had to pass on me through my then agent, because Shirley had passed, Shirley Barris passed. And when I found out they couldn't wait for me, I called that news director and I left him a voicemail. And I said, I heard that you had to move on. I get it. 
Um, good luck with your new product and the May sweeps. If anything else opens up down the road, please, I'd love it if you just kept me in mind. Because of that voicemail I left him, he called me back, left me a message on my machine when I got home. He said, I liked your attitude. We'll wait for you. Wow. We'll wait to live first. Wow. That's amazing. And the great thing is when you're working in local news in New York City, you're seen by all the network executives because everything is based out of New York. Yeah. And it was because I was working in New York local news that I got my next job offer, which was to go national to work for the network and to present the news in the morning hours for yeah. CBS. Yeah, you did CBS uh, morning for years too, didn't you? I did. And I remember when you came on to promote one of your books. Yeah. I didn't get the interview because one of my co-anchors was an anchor from Dallas. And I'm not sure if she ever worked in Houston, but they gave it to her. Yeah. And you and Victoria came on together. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Was that hurtful about the people of Dayton won't accept it? Or do you just, you know, you're a different nationality and it's fine? Or how's that? Oh, no, I was a young hothead. I was like 25, 26 years old. And I was insulted. You know, it felt like, it felt like getting kicked in the stomach. Yeah. I mean, how do you argue back? Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Um, but that was a blessing. And, and it's so funny because during that time when, you know, my then agent had passed and I was shopping for new agents, I, I set up meetings with the big agencies in New York city. And one of them who was the biggest he represented Connie Chung. I mean, hey, you know, yeah. like this guy believes in Asian females. Yeah. I didn't end up signing with him, but he gave me wonderful advice that I don't know if in today's climate, someone would actually be so upfront. He said to me, there is a surgery, plastic surgery you can get done to your eyes to make your eyes, your Asian eyes look more Western and bigger. He said, because in the cutaway shots, when you're nodding and listening to the person you're interviewing, you look disinterested or you look angry. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you get this surgery done, you're going to a top 10 market in no time. Your next job, top 10. He goes, if you don't get it done, who's to say? And I got that surgery done. It's amazing your your attitude, too, of calling that man back in New York and just, you know, it's just a, it's, it's not bitter, not angry, but hey, keep me in mind. Yeah. It was like, I put myself in his shoes and I thought, can you blame him? He's got May sweeps coming up. He yeah. needs his whole new team, you know, on the ground. And it was a very tumultuous time at that station. The whole reason I sent to that station was because back then in the newsrooms, when there was an urgent or a bulletin, you would hear the computers beep, beep. And one night after the 11 o'clock news, I get back from my live shot and I hear beep, 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 beep. The Computers are going crazy in the newsroom, and I see the headlines. WCBS fires seven anchors when they get off the get off covering the eleven o'clock news. They fired all their main talent that they had been paying millions of dollars to, and they were coming in like sixth behind like reruns of like you know Family Matters or something. Yeah, yeah. And I knew they had to start hiring people, and they were putting together a new team. Now, they also were putting together a much less expensive team, yeah. you know, people who were happy to take the job for, 
you know, a, a small fraction of what yeah. those other anchors are making. And I was one of those people. Yeah, but it opened the door. Julie, let's go forward because I want to get to your new book. I'm excited about your new book called But First God. How'd you get to Big Brother? And then, you know, you're, you're in the market, you go to New York, but what happens now? So I'm working for the network five months and Survivor comes on the air and it's a huge success. So CBS bought a very similar uh, show called Big Brother and they needed a host. And the head of CBS News calls me in for a meeting and offers me the job and says, we've worked out your schedule. It's 10 weeks. You'll be on a plane every Wednesday when you get off doing the news in the morning and you come back Fridays. You'll do the show out of L.A. And they want to meet with you. And I was very baffled. So I said, why me? You know, it's a game show. Why not get like a professional game show host or an actor or, you know. And they said, because, uh, you know, live television, it's live. And you're just going to be doing interviews with these evicted house guests. So, and I said, okay, if I do this, because I then I had dreams of becoming a 60 Minutes correspondent. Yeah. I said, if I take this job, will I ever be allowed to be considered a 60 Minutes correspondent? And he said, probably not. Mm. And I said, well, thank you for your honesty. I am not interested in flying out to LA, meeting with the producers. I've I just started here five months ago. Yeah. This is my lifelong dream to be at 60 Minutes. You know, tick, 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 tick. Yeah. I'm Julia. And he says to me, well, technically we can ass assign you this job. And if you don't take it, it could be seen as insubordination. Mm. And I said, when's that next flight to Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. When I first did it, everyone, they hated the show. They hated me. Um, TV critics hated me, hated my delivery, hated the show. People within CBS News, Andy Rooney went to the press and said that CBS News should immediately fire me and ship me off to the West Coast and just permanently have me working for the entertainment division because he thought I was blurring the lines mm. between news mm -hmm. and entertainment. Wow. Did you ever go to 60 Minutes? Never, no. never. I never went to 60 Minutes. I did get to file a few stories for hours earlier in the day, CBS Sunday Morning. Sure. I love that show. And the show ended up um, going through some major growing pains and major um, changes. After season one, the network saw there was promise there, but we couldn't model it after how they did it in the Netherlands where the show was created. Okay. So they got rid of all the um, the producers and brought in new producers and changed up how the game is played on wow. 25 seasons and counting. 25 seasons. I don't I was going to ask a dumb question, but have you been, you know, happy that it all worked out there? Yeah. I mean, that, jo that job has brought me so much um, joy and a, a nice living, a comfortable living. Um, it's easy lifting. You know, it's one hour of live television um, a week for three months. Wow. And it affords me time to spend with my family, raise my son, who's now 14. I mean, I can't imagine not hosting that show. Yes. And I love the show. I'm going to get to your book next, but tell me about the talk. You did that for years. The talk came out of, of the right time for me. I had been doing morning news for 10 years and I had a baby in 2009. And after 10 years of waking up at, you know, the crack of dawn 
and then not getting any sleep because you have a newborn, I said to my husband, something's got to give, like I'm over it. I can't be going back and forth with a newborn across the country. And he said, well, we're putting together a few pilots because we're taking uh, search for tomorrow off the air. Okay. Soap opera. And this was a panel talk show that at first we had to be all moms, all women, all moms. And we were going to talk about the day's news through the lens of motherhood. And his head of entertainment then actually went to him and said, Julie would be perfect for this show. Do you think she'd ever consider leaving the news? Now he knew at home how I felt. And he goes, well, I don't know. Let me ask her. And he yeah. comes home, yes, who, yeah. what you're asking about. And when it got picked up, you know, I, that was also, um, we went through some growing pains there. Season one, you always do. Um, we realized you couldn't put everything through the lens of motherhood. There was fighting amongst co-stars in the show. There was um, a lot of upheaval, people trying to get people fired, people trying to get me fired. And um, two co-hosts were shown the door. We recast it and season two we didn't have to all be mothers and we weren't all mothers. Yeah. And it became basically like a panel gossip talk show, if you will. Yeah. I didn't know gossiping was a sin back then. <laughs> so, and then when I found out, I was like, oh, I made a living off of this <laughs> for eight years. Um, and it was, it was a hard transition in the beginning because from being a newscaster where you can't editorialize and it's not your job to mm. your opinion, suddenly I had to present today's headlines and then we all had to give our spin our take on yeah, our yeah so but i found my way and um i did enjoy my time there we got to get to your new book so you came to faith later in life tell me about this journey your, your book is called but first god but tell me about this this journey well it's called but first god because i'm known for saying that two-word catchphrase as the host of big brother but first you know it's like Stay 87 in Big Brother House. Joel and Julie are nominated for eviction. But first, Steve is head of household and wants to save Joel. You know, So someone put together on the internet, um, they strung together me saying, but first, but first, but first, from every episode in a very, in the same robotic style. And they call me the Chen bot. So it was, yeah. they were teasing me. Yeah. Um, but it was true and it was funny and I own it. I embrace my inner Chen bot. So I thought when I learned, when I started on my walk with God in, in 2018, and I want to tell you what started it, I realized, oh, and you say it all the time, put God in first place. Yeah. So that's why it's called But First God. So in 2018, my life is going well. My husband is one of the most powerful men in entertainment. We have a child. I have two successful shows, The Talk and Big Brother. He gets shown the door at his job, and then I become collateral damage. So I'm about to launch the new season of The Talk, and I'm told by the head of CBS Daytime that two of my co-hosts don't want me showing up the next day because they wanted to discuss my husband's name being in the, in the news, and they said they didn't feel comfortable doing it in front of me. So I thought I was just going to stay home that first day of the premiere. I watched the premiere episode. And it was like watching my funeral. These two women did not have my back. It was so obvious. And they made it impossible for me to ever show my face at that table again. So I had to record my resignation announcement. And it wasn't until I came out with this audio memoir and I was recording that portion of my life, 
I looked at my producer who was there the whole time with me. He was my executive producer at the talk. And I said, I can't lie. I have to say that I lost my job. I was basically told I can't come back. Yeah. So um, there was betrayal there. And I really felt like I had the rug pulled out from under me. And my life got turned upside down. And it was it's often in like these dark times, whether you have a health crisis or um, some sort of darkness in your life where you see the light, the light of God. Yeah. I had to take that first step towards him because he's been knocking on my door. I realize now for 48 years, I just was never answering it Yeah. because I had false idols. Work being the biggest false idol that I was bowing to. That's what I had put in first place in my life, even ahead of my family. So it was um, on a Thursday morning after Thanksgiving of 2018, where my aunt, who is a born-again Christian, and she's my favorite aunt who helped raise me, she sent me an email. She said that her friend from her church in New Jersey called her and said, Holy Spirit has touched me and told me you got to tell your niece about Jesus. You have to tell your niece about the gospel. And my aunt said, you know, I've never been pushy, as you know, about my faith in our very large family. She and her husband became born again Christians in the 90s when he survived cancer. Fast forward 2001, he's a 9-11 survivor who was in the North Tower when it got hit. Wow. And um, when I got that email from her, I was moved to tears and I went to church that morning. I went to a church near my house and 8.40 in the morning, the doors were unlocked and no one was in there but me, just me and God, just pouring out my my soul and my heart and just the ugly cry, like bawling, you know, asking God for help and for hope wow. and for guidance. That following Sunday, I went to my first church service in my entire life. Wow. That's amazing, Julie, just the hand of God, you know, rescuing you. And I started to listen to you. Really? So I started to listen to you and on Sirius XM and also um, a friend of mine who's very spiritual. She sent me, she put together, uh, or maybe it was at a YouTube channel, something. And then we started listening as a family. And my son, I mean, you helped me so much, not just me personally, but me as a parent and, and and my son, like we had this saying, which we learned from one of your sermons, you know, a friend of his in, in like third grade started to turn on him and really be the bane of his existence. I said, how do we look at him? He goes, like fertilizer. I said, yeah, it's going to help you grow. We always loved your jokes at the beginning, you know? And um, I always say, like, you made it easy for me to understand the word of God and the Bible and who God is and the character of God and why we were all created. And the Bible can be very intimidating to read. It was intimidating for me. And... um, but listening to your sermons um, and watching your show, DVRing it, it it all helped. Just easy to understand and enjoyable to hear and wrap around my heart. Wow. It, unforgettable. It's like hearing unforgettable lessons. That's amazing, amazing. Julie Chen Mumbas is my guest today. And Julie, how are your parents still with us? My dad 
died in January of 2020. My mom just turned 90. And in January, my mom came to visit me and my dad was home alone, hit his head. And within 24 hours, he was gone. And I was um, very early into my walk with Jesus then. And I had only just gone to church on Sundays and listened to you. But other than that, you know, after I went to church on Sunday, I went about my regular life the rest of the week. And I don't know how much I thought about the sermon or how much I remembered. And I certainly didn't apply it, you know, yeah. um, I actually only applied things that I heard from your sermons in other ways. And then, um, and then my mom came to uh, live with us on a 10 day trial to see if this is what she wanted. And we went into lockdown and that turned into six months. Wow. So we leaned on each other in the wake of my father's death. And we started to um, watch these um, Bible study classes that my born again Christian aunt sent me on YouTube by a uh, pastor, preacher, Bible study teacher named David Pawson. He's a British and he breaks down each book of the Bible and gives 40 minute lessons. Um, Like Genesis, I think is like seven episodes, you know, like certain certain, uh, books of the Bible are are longer episodes. are, there are two parts to it. And um, we started attending um, my friend's Zoom services, church services, who has pastors at a church in Boston, who was my favorite cameraman back when I was in Dayton. Wow. And his wife was my news producer and they ended up getting married. He ended up going to seminary, finding Jesus. Wow. And now they pastor a church in Boston. So that really, that time really deepened my faith walk when everyone was on lockdown. I was just around home in sweatpants studying the Bible. Wow, amazing! Did your did your mom does she accept your faith now and all? Y'all good there? Oh yes, she still. She and I both still attend Zoom Church in Boston because they they're back in the building, but they offer their services, and uh, we do Bible study together with their church on Zoom every Wednesday. And yeah, she, my mom, um, although she and my dad never had us go to church as a family, my mom decided when she was 17 that she wanted to practice Catholicism. Okay. So I grew up watching, seeing her always wear a crucifix around her neck. Um, and she didn't want to choose our faith for us girls, her three daughters, because she made the choice as a 17-year-old even though her mom was a Buddhist. My mom is also on fire for Christ. She's walked this with me and not just because she wants to support me because she wanted to learn more about the Bible and God's word. That's so good. My mom just turned 90 a couple of days ago as well. So we got something in common there. Happy birthday, moms. Your mom's story is amazing. Yeah. Her cancer diagnosis. I mean, and she's still with us today, 90. 90, still healthy and healthy and strong. Tell me about the book. What are, what are we going to learn in the book? Just this, this story that some of the story that you told us? Or? Yes, you're going to hear about how even though I ignored God for 48 years, I look back now that I have a personal relationship. And I see his hand yeah. in my life since I was born from like the time, the time I didn't die in a whitewater rafting trip when I got thrown from the raft to, you know, my first job in television to getting into the college that I got into, which was not even on my wish list, meaning like 
the first three or four colleges I wanted to go to, I didn't want to go to USC back then. I didn't want to go so far from New York City, go to Los Angeles. But God was there, you know, picking me up like, nope, you're going to be on this path. You're going to be on this way. And I have chapters devoted to the talk, to Big Brother. My whole journey, um, God has been there and he has planned it out. I feel like he's blessed me with all these different jobs and the platforms that I have so that now I can be a witness for him publicly. Yeah. And not be shy about it and scream it to, you know, from the mountaintop. Yeah. So I'll take you behind the scenes of the shows I've worked on and um, my family background and how how he has changed my life and what he has done for me, he can do for you. I want people to know it is never too late to start a personal relationship with God and that hearing my story somehow, some way, I want people to draw closer to him, whether you have a relationship or not. If you don't, I I pray that you start one. You will have peace that transcends all understanding. So good. The book is called, But First God and Julie Chin Moonvis. It's an audio book. So of course you can download it off of Amazon or anywhere you get your your books or your audio books. But that's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. I I love hearing this, Julie. And I, I love hearing how, like you said, when you ignored him, God is merciful. He still guided you and guarded you and ordered your steps. And he, and like you said, he gives us another chance. And that's, that's what the gospel is all about. It's, it's not, we're not too far gone. We haven't made too many mistakes. We can still answer that call. Redemption. He is so faithful and he is so patient. One of the things um, I also talk about in my audio memoir is you'll hear the natural uh, sound from when I got baptized. I only got baptized a year ago. It was October 9th, 2022. And um I have to say, even though it's not the act of being dipped in the water, it's not the water that changes you, but making that public um, statement before my friends and family, I did come out of that water feeling different, thinking different, acting different. And I started to see differently. I started to see things around. I started to see God in everything around me that I took for granted before, you know, whether it was the clouds or birds feeding, you know, him providing for the birds. Like, what do I have to worry about where my next meal or the shirt on my back? He, you know, providing somehow like that piece of bread for that, that little bird underneath that bench that, you know, that piece of toast fell for, it's just been so amazing. I mean, you'll hear about how my medical miracle, when I lost 80% of my hearing in my right ear and the doctor said, "Mm, we're going to give you three shots over the course of the next three weeks. So picture like a big old needle going in your ear with no numbing. And he said, there's only a 30% shot. You'll get this back. And I went to my Bible study Zoom that day. I told them they always take prayer requests. The next week I went back for shot number two out of three. They did the hearing test. (laughs) The doctor said, well, I don't know what happened, but you got 100% of your hearing back. Wow. I said, I know what happened. Wow. I told him and I said, can I call this a medical miracle? He said, I have no problem with that. Wow. I said, you can get the next shot if you want because you're here, but you don't need it. I said, no, I'm good. I'll pass (laughs) on the needle in my ear. I guess so. That's great. Julia, let me ask you again about, um, that's interesting you said that, you know, you had idols or, you know, there's a lot of people caught up in success and, you know, we believe in success, but it's, it doesn't have to come with, uh, 
I mean, I think some people, it sounded like that's, that's, that's all your drive was about. Oh, it was about success, um, fame and recognition. I mean, it was also about um, wealth. You know, I thought if I can be successful in this field, you know, I can command a high salary and being um, Chinese, you know, like Chinese people, like when we celebrate our biggest holiday, which is Chinese New Year, it's like, happy new year, hope you get rich. You know, gong shi fa means like prosperity. Yeah. Like, hope you get rich, hope you get it's, 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 it's a culture that is very steeped in um, measuring success with dollars. And now what I know is that's not success at all. <laughs> success is having joy and not letting anybody rob you of yeah. it. We all measure success differently, but having love, having faith, having hope, and having joy. That's so good. I love that. Julie, I'm going to give you the last word. Maybe just talk to somebody that was that was you 20 years ago. I, I know you already have, but maybe just speak to somebody that was, you know, back trying to make their way and trying to figure out what, you know, what they wanted to do in life and all. But you've seen the hand of God. Maybe just the last word to somebody like that. I would say um, if you think that you don't have God in your life or he's not listening or he doesn't care. There's no problem too big or too small. He has a plan for your life. And, you know, we all make up the body of Christ. I might be an eyelash. You might be the kneecap. Find what your purpose is, why he created you. And whatever it is, there's no such thing as a secular job. Whatever you do, you can glorify God. You can serve the Lord with that gift and that talent. And when you may not think you're praying, but when you're talking to yourself, quote unquote yourself, you're not talking to yourself, you're talking to God and he is listening. Get right with God. And um, like you say, go to a you know Bible-based church. Yeah. He is, there's a reason in the Bible why he's called wonderful counselor, you know, prince of peace. He is a deliverer. He is our healer. There is no new problem for God. Yeah. Go to the Bible and start your walk or deepen it. That's so good. Julie Chin Moonviz is my guest, and her new audio book is, is going to be amazing. I can't wait to listen to it. Um, but first, God, Julie, you've been a joy to talk to, and it's an amazing story. I love, I'm inspired just uh, seeing, you know, you had to answer that call. You could still be ignoring, but you know what? God knows how to get our attention, but you took that step of faith. And and I love how now you look back and you see the hand of God in your life all that time, just to, God being merciful. But we we celebrate what God's done. And I, I love that I got to meet you today and all that God's doing in your life. It's been my honor. Thank you so much. This has come so full circle for me in this moment, talking about my faith walk with you, who you really helped kickstart it. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Joel on Joel Osteen Radio. You can listen on demand anytime with the SXM app or at SiriusXM.com. To find out more, call 855-585-JOEL. That's 855-585-JOEL.